Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. I got some great feedback from my book at Vanguard's Trinity of Terrors convention this last weekend. It's pretty cool when people get a twinkle in their eye as they walk by your booth and stop and ask some really good questions and get really, really interested. It's especially nice when you sell the book, which I did. I sold a good amount, so I'm quite happy and looking forward to the many future conventions to come. If you, by chance, have not purchased my book, then you should definitely think about doing so and go to sharkchildsremains.com now to take a look. I even have a product video that you can watch to get a first-hand glimpse. The story for this episode has a lot of symbolism relating to some ideologies I have with regards to evil. So some things to keep in mind would be the role of evil in the universe and how it would act or what its agenda would be to carry out its purpose. And then that, of course, relating to its interactions with a host or entity that it uses as a vessel to carry out that agenda. All right, you're ready now. Let's do this. This is episode 55 of The Dark Verse, and it is entitled In Placing the Titan's Emotion. I sat back in my rocking chair and subdued my thoughts with the gentle swaying of my bones. The chair, as well as my body, creaked with the tender noise of old age. In my vision, flames within the fireplace communed with one another, and my son and daughter-in-law played an immersive game of chess. On an end table, my record player hummed off the tunes of Lantern Temple Stocks, Fifth Symphony entitled Invasive Things. The music very accurately encapsulated the essence of my feelings at that very lucid moment. Sweeping crescendos peeling off into a prominent melody from flutes purported the surreal story of the music's hidden language. The layers of things around me were oddly discernible and vividly clear. It was like the abstract entity of my mind itself had laid its head upon an ethereal pillow, hushing absurdities and harnessing the craft of time and space. Beside me, on a small table, my cup of tea expelled steam, as if in rehearsal with the notes that flew through its particles. Its display unlocked the secrets of the universe. I found myself lost within their complexity, and as I stared on into the unknowable, the delusion of consciousness encroached, putting me to sleep. I awoke to my doctor's touch. He calmed me and explained my condition. 
I had survived my third heart attack. Although the memory and pain of its occurrence was unexplainably absent, I did feel the dissonance within my body, but I had no recollection of when the threat began or when it ended. When the doctor was through with me, both my son and daughter-in-law approached me attentively. They were grateful in knowing I would continue my life along with them, but there was confusion written upon their faces. Dad, my son asked, his long hair draping forward across his shoulders. What happened to you? I was hoping to find that out from you, I replied. I don't remember a darn thing, not after sitting down in my chair. Well, you got up only a couple minutes later and grabbed the kings from the chessboard while Darcy and I were playing and threw them into the fireplace. Then you turned towards us and were about to say something, but before you could, you clenched your chest and fell to the ground. I strained to find the memories that aligned with my son's tale, but there was nothing except emptiness. I'm sorry, Brendan, I said. I don't remember. You were lucky Dr. Telner was still in town, Darcy added. He was only an hour or so away from heading off east to his brother's place. We got to him just in time. Thank goodness, I said. I'm sorry I had to burden you with your father's old age. It's all right, Dad, Brendan said. We're just glad you're all right. It's probably best you went to bed now. You need to rest. Darcy and I will check on you in the morning, and Dr. Telner is still going away for a couple days, but he'll check on you when he gets back. Thank you. I love you both. We love you too, Darcy said. In the darkness of my room, there came the approaching of steps. They awakened me. Each impression of foot was heavy and sluggish, lingering far longer than necessary. With the steps, the clanking of materials resounded, although it was nothing I could recognize, not cloth or metal or any such things as would be expected. Then, not an arm's length from me, the maker of the steps stopped, allowing me to see and significantly sense its shadowy figure lurking over me. It had no breath. I gazed up to where its head should have been, but my eyes caught no vision of countenance. My sight, instead, delved into an impossibility of recognition. There, in my bedroom, and upon the body of the intruder, swirled the expanse of a miniature universe, vast, cosmic, hypnotic, a capsule of infinity imprisoned. The colors of galaxies sparkled with a resplendence unimaginable. While the head of the voided entity allured, sickness and desolation excreted from its body like odor, an awful scent to the mind. I knew that I had to plea, but I did not know for what. What do you want with me? I asked it. In reply, the voided entity began to stomp on the floor. Over and over it pounded, each strike heavy and loud and startling. My heart rattled in fear, my blood thickened, and my throat went dry. It then came again, another heart attack, 
one of which I knew I would not survive. In pain and shock, I writhed on the bed. The voided entity then leapt upon my bed with horrible accuracy, landing with its knees and casing my hips. Its galactic head beamed into my eyes, blinding me not in brightness, but with the resilience of energy, energy that stole, that suffocated, and that violated. In a brutal movement, the voided entity rammed its head, the insane universe, into my chest. And when it pulled back its neck, the head of the devil emerged. The burden is yours, he said in a voice of tranquility and rage combined. He clapped his hands together in front of his face, locking fingertips to fingertips and the bases of his palms together, gaps remaining between his fingers and the remainder of his hands. While smiling, he vanished. My heart stilled, and my soul rebelled. I became, in unison, angry and sad, excited and depressed, loving and hateful, confident and afraid. What formed inside me was the immaculate matching of hero and nemesis, a perfect split. Trapped with the emotion that was all emotions, I embarked on a journey of suicide. I cut myself, I ingested all and any medications I could find, I drank bleach, and I flung my head into the corners of blunt objects, but I would not die, and I could not escape what had been placed inside me. My son found me in the morning beside the house with my head buried in the earth, and when he pulled me from its hold and saw my face, he himself attempted to kill me, Compel uncontrollably to rid me from the world. He screamed at me as he brought a shovel down upon my head, with tears flailing from his face and sound rasping from his throat. Why you, Dad? Why you? And I answered him as I continued to live. Evil is more than a beast. That concludes episode 55 of The Dark Verse. If you want to listen to all of the past stories, go to thedarkverse.com or you can find them on iTunes. Go to facebook.com slash sharkchild to become my fan and keep in touch with me. If you want to email me, you can do so at the address m at sharkchild.com. Give me a rating on iTunes if you get the chance, and uh, have a great life while you wait for the next episode of The Dark Verse. Bye. All stories on The Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love.